the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Many happy returns. Today, my beloved, is the feast of the Pentecost. And and the gospel reading from this morning is from John chapter uh, 15. And it says, The Spirit, uh, when the Helper comes, whom I shall send you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth. So the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Truth. And it says that He will testify of me. The Lord Christ is saying that He will testify of me. And the Lord Jesus Himself said of Himself that He is the truth. So the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth who will testify of the truth, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, this is part of the work of the Holy Spirit, is to combat the lies that are in the world. To combat the lies that are in the world and to reveal their darkness for what they truly are. We spoke the last few weeks about lying, or the sin of lying and its forms and its dangers and how to overcome them. But there is yet still another form of lying that is far more dangerous than what we spoke about before. We spoke before about lying you know, to one another and how dangerous this can be um, and how it deceives uh, how we deceive each other when we lie. But there's another form that's far more dangerous, and that's the lying to oneself, or self-deception. When I lie to myself, this is far more dangerous. You know, when you lie to somebody, somebody can catch you. But then when you lie to yourself, it's very difficult to um, uh, detect and to, to, to help. The goal of the lying to oneself for the self-deception is to numb our conscience towards some truth um, in our life as if it was true. To numb our conscience to something we are lying about to ourselves or deceiving ourselves about and convince ourselves that this lie that I'm living is actually the truth. And this is far more scary. So we'll speak briefly this morning about why is it that we lie to ourselves or why do we deceive ourselves? The beginnings of these uh, deceptions and how we can be honest with ourselves. So why is it that we lie to ourselves or why do we deceive ourselves? Number one is moral dissonance. Dissonance is a big word. It means inconsistency between the beliefs one holds and between one's actions and one's belief. So basically, this is there's some kind of inconsistency between what I believe and what I'm practicing. And oftentimes when we do things that go against my own belief, this causes us a little bit of discomfort or some discomfort. And to aid in this discomfort or to handle this discomfort, we do one of two things. Either we lie about the action itself, we say, I didn't do it, or, or whatever it is, we lie about the action itself, or sometimes we change our belief to match the action. Because there can't be this inconsistency. We feel as if, you know, we're being hypocritical and there's this, you know, struggle going on inside. This is exactly what happened with Judas. If you remember Judas, when the woman came and poured the costly fragrant oil on the feet of the Lord Jesus, what did he say? He said, this is such a waste. You shouldn't do this. This money, we could have sold this for 300 denarii, and this could have been given to the poor. And even the disciples, he convinced the other disciples to agree with him. This is such a waste. This can feed so many mouths of the poor people. We shouldn't do this. Later on, St. John 
reveals to us why he really said that. He says in John 12, verse 6, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. He had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. So we realize what? That he convinced himself that this is a waste, or I should say that this is a waste, because not because he cares for the poor, but because he wants to take the money, because he was a thief, right? But he justified this by saying, that this should have been given to the poor. So he deceived himself. So the first one is this moral dissonance, this inconsistency between what we believe and what we practice. The second reason why we deceive ourselves is self-preservation. Self-preservation. I do not want to hurt myself. I don't want to get myself hurt. For example, if we witness some kind of injustice or something uh, that is unethical, that happens in front of us or something that's something that's blatantly contrary to the reality which is what we're seeing a lot of today we see things or see people proclaiming things that are contrary to reality and contrary to all of human history when someone you know tries to spread you know this propaganda and this idea that somehow men can get pregnant this is nonsense there's never been a man in the world that's ever gotten pregnant before Right? So sometimes in the face of all these things, um, especially if we're put in, in a situation where the people around us agree with this nonsense, we might feel to preserve myself from whatever retaliation that might come, I'll begin to justify or try to change the way that I think to accommodate their viewpoints. This is similar to what happened with the parents who were, uh, of the man who was born blind. They went to him, the Pharisees, and said, How is it that this, your son of yours was made well? Is this your son? He says, Yes, this is our son. Was he blind? Yes, he was born blind. Then how was he made well? well? We don't know. He's of age. Ask him. Why did they say this? St. John tells us because they were scared to be thrown out of the, out of the synagogue. Right? So self-preservation. They lied to themselves to preserve their own um, dignity in front of the people there. Sometimes we justify and we tolerate uh, lies to ourselves um, maybe because we don't want to be labeled. You know, people might label me as a troublemaker. People might label me as a homophobe. People, people might uh, label me as a bigot. We look and say, okay, I don't want these labels. But, but so what? And so what? If I'm, what I'm saying is true, people can label me whatever they want to. But does this change the truth? It doesn't change the truth, right? It doesn't. But sometimes we lie to ourselves lest somebody else call us a name that might uh, somehow offend me or, you know, bother me. Sometimes we might lie to ourselves because if I say the truth, it might jeopardize myself or my family. Um, And this uh, sometimes is a tough situation where you feel like, okay, you know, I'll tell the truth, it's up to me. But then what if it might jeopardize my family? I'm always reminded of the, uh, the story of St. Rebecca and her five children. You know, this is one of the toughest, you know, scenarios where they wanted to torture the mother, so they went and they slaughtered her five children in front of her first, one by one. You know? And if you want to talk about, you know, saving your family, she could have denied the faith and spared her children. 
But yet we see her encouraging her children to never deny the faith, to stay true. And she saw them and witnessed each one of them, you know, become martyred in front of her. It's very difficult to do, but these are the examples that our beautiful church has left for us. Number three is uh, self-presentation. So we also we have self-preservation and self-presentation. Sometimes we lie to ourselves because we want to make ourselves look better in front of other people. And again, as I mentioned before, the the rise of social media and all of this, uh, you know, um, this virtual world that sometimes we live in, this makes it much easier for us to create some kind of person and avatar that we want ourselves to look like and we lie all about it, right? I remember one time I was, uh, I was on the way from the airport and I was sitting in a bus the, 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 to go to the parking lot. And it was just me and this uh, young girl in the, in the, on the bus and she looked miserable. But then she took out her phone and then she, I don't know what was so important about the bus, but she snapped this picture and she had this huge smile on her face and she was posing in front of her face. And then immediately after she took, she took the picture, she went back to her misery. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, this must be difficult, you know, to, you know, post these things as if my life is something else that it's really not, right? This lying to ourselves is very dangerous. It's very, very dangerous. And we do this sometimes to make ourselves look better than we ought. And Acts chapter 5 speaks about uh, a husband and wife, Ananias and Sapphira, who when they saw the rest of the church give all of their property and everything, they sold it and put it at the apostles' feet so the apostles can distribute to everyone as they need. They said, okay, we're going to sell our land. And they kept back some for themselves and gave a large sum to the church. What's, what's the problem here? Is it that they only gave some? No. It's that they gave some, but they wanted everybody else to believe what? That they gave everything. Right? So they wanted to receive glory and praise that they didn't deserve because they didn't do that. And they tried to lie to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit of truth revealed to them their wickedness um, and their lie. So sometimes we lie to ourselves for self-presentation. Number four, sometimes we lie to ourselves to avoid change. <clears throat> there are some individuals who are in a dysfunctional situation, or they might be dysfunctional themselves. But they're comfortable being in this dysfunction. They don't want to change. Like Samson. Samson with Delilah was a very dysfunctional relationship. And his parents told him, don't marry somebody who's not from our people. Marry somebody from who's our people. He says, no, this is the one who delights my eye, and I want her. So he went after her, out of wedlock and everything. And then she wanted to know the source of his strength. And time and time again, he didn't tell her what it was until she t- he told him that she must uh, tell him. So he finally told her. But how does Samson describe it? It says, when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that her, his soul was vexed to death, that he told her all his heart. What does this mean by his vexed to death? This means this is a toxic, right? He knows exactly what she's going to do because she did it three times before. He told her something, she went and told his enemies. And then the enemies came and tried to capture him. But yet he continued in this relationship. Had he not, had he not been lying to himself, the solution would be what? What would be the solution? Leave, right? Leave. 
she's not going to hold him there, you know, against his will. Right? He took on like the whole city. He can certainly handle her. But he was lying to himself. Sometimes, my beloved, the power of denial is so strong that it allows us to hold on to false beliefs. Again, if you remember the resurrection of Lazarus, was this a public event or a private event? It's public or private? Public, right? Everybody saw it. Everybody saw Christ raise a man who was dead for four days. And he walked out of the, uh, the tomb wrapped in the grave clothes, right? It wasn't some kind of stage. The same one who went there wrapped came out wrapped. But yet some people still didn't believe. What did the, um, the scribes and Pharisees want to do? They wanted to get rid of the evidence. Let's kill Lazarus because he's the evidence, right? I'm lying to myself so much that I'm willing to do even um, to uh, kill someone so that um, my lie is not exposed in front of everyone. So how does this all begin? How does this all begin? How is it that we get to the point of this self-deception where somebody can deceive themselves to this degree? Two things, I think. Number one is ignorance. And uh, the book of Hosea says, my people are destroyed for the lack of ignorance. And I think despite all of the access to information nowadays, you know, ignorance is, is rampant. You'll find people who don't have an idea or a clue of what they're talking about are speaking as if they're scholars on the subject, right? Ignorance, ignorance. And we see also um, the Holy Spirit. What is the work of the Holy Spirit? It says, the Holy Spirit, the helper of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I say to you. So the work of the Holy Spirit is to bring to our remembrance what the Lord Jesus taught us. But we're missing something here. We think, okay, well, then this is the job of the Holy Spirit. Then whenever I need him, he will come and he will teach me. But if I don't give him something to work with, what is he going to remind us of? You know, if you have some kind of past experience or you have some kind of memory of something, then it's easy to recall. But if you have no idea about anything, then he has nothing to work with. So if I don't read scripture, I don't understand what the church's teaching is, then what will the Holy Spirit work with? Actually, what we believe sometimes when we don't have any, any idea about anything and we don't read scripture or, or know the traditions of the church and so on, if I don't have anything to work with, then what will come to my mind we think is the Holy Spirit, but this will be my own you know, um, devices. But when we read Scripture and we, we, we're praying regularly and we understand the traditions of the church, then when the Holy Spirit speaks, He has something to bring to my memory. And He will remind you at the time that you need of the verses and the, uh, and the words that you need. But I have nothing in here then I have nothing, he has nothing to work with. We must supply the Holy Spirit with the material for him to recall uh, to our memory. The second reason why I think we, we get into this cycle of self-deception is the indulgence of passions. The indulgence of passions. This, and, and this indulgence leads to spiritual blindness. For example, um, and all of these passions cloud our mind and they blind us. For example, pride. The reason why Satan fell was pride, right? 
has clouded his judgment. He preferred rather to be second person in heaven, the first person in hell. He would rather be the first person in hell than the second person in heaven because of his pride, clouded his judgment. Greed clouded the judgment of Judas. Right? He wanted the money box and he denied his place as an apostle and he was replaced. Lust, the passion of lust, blinded Samson to repeatedly you know, go after this sin even though he knew that it was for his demise. Anger clouded the judgment of David when he was with uh, Nabal. He got so angry that he didn't give him any food, he and his men, and he was, went and he was going to kill him uh, because he didn't give him some food. Thankfully, Abigail, Nabal's wife, spared him and she humbled herself before him and saved him. Envy, the passion of envy. We see King Ahab, who was the king and had all that he had. He envied the, the garden that was his next door, uh, to his next door neighbor, uh, Naboth's vineyard. And he wanted it for some vegetables or wanted it for his garden. And it was a small plot of land that is, it was in his family. But he envied that land and this envy, again, was the source of his uh, demise. So the indulgence of passions and our ignorance are likely the reason why we get into this deceiving ourselves. So quickly, how can we be honest with ourselves? Number one, we have to ask God. There's a beautiful prayer that perhaps we can, you know, uh, memorize or perhaps we can hang it up on our, in our rooms so we can pray this prayer whenever we stand to pray. It's a beautiful um, prayer of repentance as well. It's in Psalm 139, the last two verses, 23 and 24. He says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. So we have to ask God, search me. Search me. You know the depth of my heart better than me. right? I might lie to myself, but you are the source of truth. And your spirit that is within me is the spirit of truth. Reveal to me if I am lying to myself or if I am deceiving myself. Number two is listen to those who love you. Listen to those who love you. Oftentimes those who are lying to themselves or deceiving themselves hear the same message from those who love them. You will know those who love you when they tell you the truth for the salvation of your souls despite your displeasure. Those are the people who love you. I'm not saying your friends that will tell you what you want to hear. Those who love you will tell you the truth for your salvation whether it displeases you or it doesn't. And if you hear the same message from multiple people who love you, listen, because likely I'm deceiving myself um, or I'm lying to myself. Number three is listen to yourself or have this time of self-reflection. Remove all of the masks and begin to ask yourself the real questions. Why do I do the things that I do? Why am I bothered by this person? Why does this you know, do I make this decision? Why is this particular person getting on my nerve, although there was nothing he did that might, you know, uh, cause me to get angry or upset? So have this kind of internal self-reflection with yourself. You know, again, having the access to our phones and things like that, there's never really a moment where we can take, you know, to ourselves to, uh, to think. I was sitting with someone yesterday, and he was saying he had a friend of his that he's driving, and when he gets to the stoplight, he takes out his phone immediately. Right? So there's no moment 
for us to stop and think and to self-reflect. But it's always busy, 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 going from one thing to another. But when we have this time for self-reflection, to ask ourselves, why is it that I, I'm doing what I'm doing? Search for the reasons behind your behaviors. And if you find that your behavior doesn't line up with what you want to become, then it's time to evaluate yourself honestly. Number four is beware of your emotions. And sometimes our emotions can be misled. But at the same time, our emotions can be very revealing. Why am I upset? Why am I sad? Why am I happy? A lot of times you need to also be aware of what it is around you or that you consume that changes your emotion or, or, um, or how they affect your emotions. For example, how does this particular song affect my emotion? Does it make me angry? Does it make me excited? Does it make me think of sin? Does it tempt me to do sin? Does it tempt me to harm myself? What is it that I'm... Uh, how are these things affecting my emotion? Whether it's music, it's friends, circumstances, places, videos, etc. Number five, acknowledge your strength and your weaknesses. Sometimes it's easier to turn the blind eye to our weaknesses than to face them directly. But we have to be honest with ourselves. And notice how I said honest with your strength and weaknesses. It's not wrong to be honest with your strength. But when we face it and we have our strength, we thank God and glorify Him for it. And we also acknowledge our weakness. The world teaches us to you know, boast of your strength and put your weaknesses under the, under the rug so no one sees them. But an honest approach is if we acknowledge both. And this is how we're honest with ourselves. I acknowledge my weaknesses and I acknowledge my strength. And when in my weaknesses, I can work on if I acknowledge them and I can ask for help from other people who perhaps have that strength. Right? And this is what the whole interdependence. We can become interdependent on one another. It's just like somebody, for example, who has uh, diabetes. They know exactly what their strengths and weaknesses are. Vegetables and so on are, are good for me, but there's things that are high in sugar really mess up my sugar. And they can tell you exactly what kinds of sugar will mess up their sugar, right? So they know their strength and their weaknesses. The more honest I am with myself when it comes to like diabetes, the better and the more healthy I will be. But if I'm lying to myself and I deny that I have diabetes and eat as if I didn't have it, then what ends up happening? I hurt myself, right? I hurt myself and I take time off of my life. Last two, admit your mistakes. Acknowledge your strength and weaknesses and admit your mistake. Again, this is perhaps the most painful of all of the remedies. But this is the one that's necessary, is to admit when I've made a mistake. Even, you know, um, sometimes we say, oh, Admitting our mistakes is something for kids, but adults don't do, uh, don't do this. And you might find, you know, kids, this might be their perception. As kids, I'm told to admit my mistakes, but when uh, I, don't, I don't see any adults doing this. But no, we need to admit our mistake, right? It's not something about an adult or a child. We need to admit our mistakes if we want to be honest with ourselves. And lastly, try to be simple and direct, but with love and wisdom. Don't beat around the bush. But just say things as they are with love and be honest in the way you speak to others and to yourself. And that we have that transparency with others and have that transparency with yourself. May God grant us to have our, our, these light of truth within us 
that's uh, kindled by the Holy Spirit to reveal to us if we are truly lying to ourselves or not, that we might repent and give him glory to God forever and ever. Amen.